These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God a service. And these things they will do unto you, because they have not known the Father, nor me. John 16, 1-3 Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. I want to thank all the Patreon subscribers and people who pray and everyone who helps me make this possible. Thanks for joining me this morning. Today we are looking, uh, or continuing our study, rather, in the Acts According to the Apostles. We're ready for chapter 6 and 7 today, which deals with the first recorded Christian martyr, Stephen. And of course, he's not murdered at the hands of the Romans, but he is stoned to death at the hands of unbelieving Jews. And Jesus warned them, uh, warned his disciples that the day would come when they would be rejected in the synagogues, where they would be put to death. And the people putting to death would think that they're doing God a service by doing so. And uh, Stephen here is our first recorded martyr. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he puts together this sermon. And it just cuts uh, the religious listeners to the heart. And they just couldn't take it. And they began to stone him. And that is how... Uh, the story ends today, um, but it does end by mentioning that Saul, whose Roman name was Paul, uh, was standing there holding the coats. Or I'm not sure if it actually says that he holds the coats until the next chapter or not, but uh, the chapter we'll be reading today does mention uh, him for the first time, that he was present uh, at the stoning of Stephen. All right, so there's the background. Without further delay, let's dig right in, and I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you would be blessed this morning. Let's begin. Chapter 6. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Real quick, uh, the Hellenistic Jews, they were basically Jews who uh, were Greek. Um, and their complaint is that they, you know, they're, they're being overlooked. Like the, their people who are in need are being overlooked um, by those who were native Hebrews. Verse 2, so the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer 
into the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, Nicorna, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Crinerians and Alexandrians and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. By the way, please note, someone who's full, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Spirit... It doesn't matter how educated you are, how wise you are, you will not be able to cope with the wisdom of God pouring out of a person, right? And that's what's going on here. They don't like him. He's doing all these miracles. They want to argue with him, but they're unable to deal with him because he's so filled with the Holy Spirit. He's so filled with the wisdom of God that he is just able to knock down their rebuttals with ease. And so this is becoming a frustration for them. Verse 11, Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. This is important to note because we see this behavior so often. We see it through the Gospels. Uh, we see it when they're dealing with Jesus. And now we see it when they're dealing with Stephen. What do they do? Well, what they do is they completely, they act like they care about the word. They act like they care about the law of Moses by breaking the law of Moses and bearing false witness so they can put some innocent person to death. And it happened, they did it with Jesus as well. Like They, they find a couple of people who are willing to lie, who are willing to bear false witness so that they can make accusations. So that's what they do. It says they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred at the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. They put forward false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speaks against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene, Jesus, will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. Alright, let's stop right there for a minute. That ends chapter 6, and then chapter 7 is Stephen's sermon, basically. So they stir up false witnesses... Um, they're, they're upset because Stephen has pointed out the fact that Jesus said that that temple was coming down. Of course it did, right? And all the things that Jesus prophesied that was going to happen in Jerusalem to the unbelieving Jews, those who rejected the Messiah and the temple came to pass. 
Stevens obviously regurgitated some of that at some point, and they are not happy about it. They've so they're angry with him. They've got him in this situation, but they're looking at him, and his face is like the face of an angel. Uh, the Bible that I'm looking at says that that's referring to the fact that his face was pure, calm, unruffled composure, reflecting the presence of God. If we go to Matthew Henry's commentary, here's what he says about the situation. Wisdom and holiness make a man's face to shine. Yet will not secure men from being treated badly. What shall we say of a man, a rational being, yet attempting to uphold a religious system by false witness and murder? And this has been done numberless instances. But the blame rests not so much upon the understanding as upon the heart of a fallen creature, which, this is, which is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Yet the servant of the Lord, possessing a clear conscience, cheerful hope, and divine consolations, may smile in the midst of danger and death. Wisdom and holiness make a man's face to shine. Wise words. Let's listen to Stephen's defense, and basically what he's going to do is he's just going to give the Jews a history lesson. So let's take a look. Chapter 7, verse 1. The high priest said, Are these things so? Asking, did you really say these things? Verse 2, And he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and he said to him, Leave your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. From there, after this, his father died. God had him moved to a country in which we are now living. But he gave him no inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground, and yet, even when he had no child, he promised that he would give it to him as a possession and his descendants after him. But God spoke to this effect, that his descendants would be aliens in a foreign land, and that they would be enslaved and mistreated four hundred years. And whatever nation to which they will be in bondage, I myself will judge, saith God. And after that they will come out and serve me in this place. And he gave him a covenant of circumcision, and so Abraham became the father of Isaac, and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob of the twelve patriarchs. The patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt, yet God was with him and rescued him from all his afflictions and granted him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh king of Egypt, and made him governor over all Egypt and his household. Now, a famine came over all Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction with it, and our fathers could find no food. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers there for the first time. On the second visit, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and Joseph's family was disclosed to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent word and invited Jacob, his father, and all of his relatives to come to him, seventy-five persons in all. And Jacob went down to Egypt, and there he and our fathers died. From there they were removed to Shechem and laid in the tomb, which Abraham had purchased for a sum of money 
from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. But as the time of the promise was approaching, which God had assured to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt, and there arose another king over Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. It was he who took shrewd advantage of our race and mistreated our fathers so that they would expose their infants and they would not survive. It was at this time that Moses was born, and he was lovely in the sight of God. And he was nurtured three months in his father's home, and after he had been set outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own son. Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power and words and deeds. But when he was approaching the age of forty, it entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed and by striking down the Egyptian. And he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. On the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting together, and he tried to reconcile them in peace, saying, Man, you are brethren. Why do you injure one another? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you not mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday, do you? At this remark, Moses fled and became an alien in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. After forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning thorn bush. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he approached to look more closely, there came the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers and the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Moses shook with fear and would not venture to look, but the Lord said to him, Take off the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and have heard their groans, and have come down to rescue them. Come now, and I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they disowned, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? Is the one whom God sent to be both a ruler and a deliverer with the help of the angel who appeared to him in the thorn bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. This is the Moses who said to the sons of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. This is the one in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel who was speaking to him at Mount Sinai who was with our fathers and he received living oracles to pass on to you. Our fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him, but repudiated him in their hearts. Turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us, this Moses who led us out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what happened to him. At that time they made a calf and brought a sacrifice to an idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands, but God turned away and delivered them up to serve the host of heaven, as it is written in the books of the prophets. It was not to me that you have offered victims and sacrifices forty years in the wilderness, was it, O house of Israel? You also took along the tabernacle of Moloch, and the star of the god of Ramtha, the images which you made to worship, I will remove you beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle, 
of testimony in the wilderness, just as he spoke to Moses, directed to make it according to the pattern which we have seen. And having received it in their turn, our fathers brought it in with Joshua upon disposing the nations whom God drove out before our fathers until the time of David. And David found favor in God's sight and asked him he might find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool of my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my repose? Was it not my hand which made all these things? You men are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who previously announced the coming of the righteous one whose betrayers and murderers you have now become, you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. Please note, man, Stephen ends that sermon with just a heart-piercing truth. He gives them all this history. And all this history includes the the failure of the Jews to be able to, to, to uphold the law. It includes the fact that their fathers are the ones who killed the prophets, have always rejected and killed those who would dare talk about the one who would come, meaning the Messiah. And he says, you guys are no different. You're the same. You are just like your fathers who killed the prophets. Let me read this again. You men are stiff-necked. By the way, you have to understand the bravery and the courage. Something Christians don't understand today. Courage. Real courage. He's, he's at, he, I mean, he's, he's being, I mean, he's in a position where he's about to be disciplined for what, for blasphemy according to them. And he doesn't hold back. He gives them a perfect history lesson and then rebukes them at the end. You men are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears and are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. So here's how they respond. Just a few more verses and then we're done for this morning. Verse 54, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, covered their ears, and rushed at him with impulse. Notice what they're doing. The Holy Spirit is convicting them. They respond by covering their ears. How many do that today? Ah, I don't want to hear the truth. You're interrupting my pet doctrines and my, my, this way that I've always believed that things were. 
I'm just going to put my fingers in my ears, and I just want you to go away. But they cried with a loud voice, and they covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Having said this, he fell asleep. And that, my friends, is the end of our study for this morning. The first martyr, man of great wisdom, a man of great faith, a man of great courage, a man to be admired and celebrated. I pray that these words have cut you to the heart and cause you to draw near to God and to fall on your face before Him in repentance and to embrace His Son Jesus as the only way for salvation. Trusting in Him, trusting the work that He did on the cross for you and how He gave His life and God rose Him from the dead three days later. And I pray that we would be like Stephen and actually have real courage. Right now, Christians fall at the feet of political correctness and wokeness, and it's, it's saddening, really. It's saddening. But God has always had and always will have a remnant of his people who are true to him, who walk in his ways, walk in righteousness and holiness, walk in faith, walk in courage, and may that be us. Thanks for listening this morning. I want to thank those of you who do support this podcast, who help me make this possible week after week, the Patreon subscribers, uh, the few of you that donate through PayPal and through the mail. Thank you so much. It's far beyond what I deserve because this work is my great privilege. And I'm so blessed to be able to do it. But I just want to say thank you and uh, ask you to continue to support it and ask for your prayers. And specifically be praying that I would have wisdom to do God's will. And the courage and the strength to do God's will. Thank you, my friends. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.